Bible is, has a lot of uh, characters in it that when you trace their life and their story, it's really tragic. And, um, you know, one of those characters in the, in, in the scripture that are it's just a tragic story is, is Judas. You, you know Judas, right? He was one of the disciples that hung out with Jesus, and, and he, he never trusted him. And, and it's, it's a tragedy because Judas walked with him. I mean, he saw him. He, he heard him teach. Judas was one of these guys that was a, had a front row seat to this life change. Uh, just right in front of his eyes. People healed. You know, people that were having their sins forgiven. And Judas is this guy that, uh, in the midst of being so close to, to the Lord... Never, never put his faith in him, never trusted him. And it's tragic. I mean, goodness gracious, to, to be that close and to be, have that much of a front row seat to the Lord's work in, in, in the world and miss it is truly a tragedy. And, and you know, when, when you look at, at Judas's life, one of the things you see about him is that he never connected to the true vine. Now, that's important as we look at John 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. Now, um, in the scriptures, th th there's a vine reference all through the Bible. There's a past reference to a vine because the, the children of Israel are seen as the vine of the Lord. That, that, they're, they're called the vine that, that, that we can look to, to see there's, there's a connection to God. You have, a, you have a future vine that you see in Revelation 14 that is the, the, the people that reject the Lord, they're, they're, they're rooted in the earth and they're destroyed at the end of time. That's a future uh, reality. But there's a present view, use of the vine, vision for vine in Scripture, and it's Jesus. And, and we're going to see this in John 15. But as, as you're in John 15, I want you to just turn over a page or two uh, to John 13, because we need to understand the context of this passage in John 15, because in John 15, you're, you're, you have Jesus in the upper room with the disciples. And it started, John started the kind of the narrative of that in John 13. And remember how that all took place. They're, they're coming in, and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I, I got to wash your feet. Remember? Remember that part of Jesus in the upper room? And, and here's God in the flesh going to bow and humble himself and wash the disciples' feet. And Peter says, and look at verse 9 in chapter 13. Simon Peter said, said to him, Lord, not my feet also, but my hands and my head. So Peter's kind of a punk, kind of cocky uh, about, about this. And he's like, no, if you're, you're going to wash all of me, Jesus. And, and Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. There's an interesting metaphor here because, you know, and then he says, but he is but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. So he says to Peter, look, Peter, your feet are dirty. I'm going to wash them. You're already clean. And that's a really cool analogy because as, as we walk with the Lord, as Christians, there are times that we get dirty with sin. Our feet get dirty of sin. Now we're clean. We're going to heaven, but we need Jesus to wash our feet. We need to confess our sins. And then this is what, what Jesus is referring to. But then he says, but not every one of you are clean. 
in verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. He's talking about Judas. And so right here, Jesus even says in front of Judas, not every one of you are clean. Now, this is important to understand as we look at John 15, because as you see the narrative unfold, you see that Judas, at this point, he, he leaves and he goes to betray Jesus. When we get to John 15, it's Jesus and the disciples minus Judas. And that's important to understand in this passage. Now, over um, in this room today, there are two types of people. There are those of us in this room that, that we, you could say, you can look back to a moment in your life when you became connected to the vine, Christ. That you, you came to know Christ as your Savior. And that was a moment in time. There was a time that you can point back to and say, I've tr- I trusted in Christ. And you're connected to the vine. There's also a second type of person that might be here today that you've maybe been around Christians, around the church, but you're not connected to the vine. You may be like Judas. You've been a witness to things of God, and you're even a witness to it today with our worship and our singing about our hope in Christ, our living hope, but that's not a hope that you currently possess. And so it's my prayer today that God speaks to our hearts and that God moves in our midst and, and, you know, Mark Dever is the pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, and he, and this is not on the screen or in your notes, but I, it would be good to write this down if, you're, if you have a pen, um, because he writes, the, he said this, um, there's three questions to ask to evaluate if you're in the vine, if you, are, if you know Christ as your Savior. The first question is this, do you have a present trust in Christ alone for your salvation? That's a good question. And I hope that, that every one of you can look, and it's my prayer that before the end of this day, that, that every one of us can have a present trust in Christ alone for salvation. That's important. It's important for you to be able to look back at a moment in your life when you were saved. I had a, I had a guy in college, he was a professor, and, uh, and, and he, was, um, um, he would say, you know what, it's not that big of a deal to point back to a moment that you were saved. And I was like, I, I don't know, man. I think that's pretty important. I still think that's important. And, and verse, point question two that Mark Dever said, is there, an evidence, is there evidence of a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your life? That's a way to evaluate. Are you in the vine? Is the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Is there evidence of this regenerating work of the Holy Spirit that God is growing you? And then the third question that Mark Dever says, do I see a long-term pattern for growth? in my Christian life? Is there, is there a pattern of growth? These are just ways that we are connected to the Lord and, and a good, some good questions to ask. Now we're in this series called The Walk and over the next, through the rest of the summer, what we're gonna look at is how do we walk with the Lord? I would argue that a lot of us, even the, the, those of us that know Christ, we want to walk with the Lord, but we lack maybe the knowledge to know how to do it or the um, Maybe you're just getting tripped up by things in your life. Your feet are dirty, like Jesus said. Um, my prayer is that over the next several weeks, we're, we learn to become followers of Christ and we become everyday disciples of Christ. 
And that's my prayer over the next several weeks. Now, in this journey, I want to challenge you to memorize a verse. It's in the, it was on the screen today, but, but you got to write this down, Micah 6.8. And, and you'll find that at our church, if you're visiting today, we have a pattern of pushing one another to know the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God. Micah 6.8, um, uh, you know, I, I memorized it a long time ago in the old NIV, and so I'm kind of going to push you to that, that version because... That's how I memorized it, so you get to follow if you want to. You can memorize whatever you want, but I want to challenge you to memorize this first. It says, he has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God? And that's my prayer over the next several weeks, that we as a church take a look at how do we walk with the Lord. And so John 15 starts with, I think it's a great place to start in evaluating our walk with the Lord because it talks about being connected to the vine, being connected to Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're not connected to Jesus. And I'll tell you, you can't miss the moment of salvation if you're gonna walk with the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, John 15, we're going to read 1 through 11. We stand in honor of God's word. It's a practice that we have. And so I invite you to stand with me just as a statement of saying this is God's word, not ours. And, and let's just give it some honor and respect. <clears throat> John 15, verse 1, Jesus says this. I am the vine, I am, excuse me, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, th thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, the first point I want us to, if you're taking notes, and I hope you follow along, point number one is this, that every walk with God starts at a specific time. And I believe this. I believe that God has given us his words so that we know that we would have eternal life. I believe that, that it's important for us to be able to look back at a moment in time when you, you were saved. And I hope that every one of you could look back and, and say, that was the moment that I came to Christ. And, and maybe that's this moment, maybe that's today, maybe in this moment, God will be speaking to your heart, and in this moment would be the day that you come to Christ, on a, on a summer day in, in June, of the last day of June in 2019. 
that'd be an awesome day to come to Christ. Today's the day of salvation. And it's my prayer that that, that would happen. Look at verse one. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So, so the, this is the disciples. He's talking to the guys that, that are already clean. They've already trusted in him. Now they're gonna have some more uh, interesting experiences coming up and Peter's gonna bail and, and, and they're gonna have these incredible moments with the Lord as he goes to the cross. Because remember, this is in the upper room. They're about to watch Jesus go to the cross. And, and, but, but I want you to see this and that, that salvation is an important moment because that is the moment that you have, you begin a union with the Lord. Now, this is important because when we were born, we were born into sin. We were born sinners. And this is a reality for all of us that, that, that we were born uh, in trouble. And, and, you know, we live in this world that it wants us to think, oh, well, you were born good. The Oprah mentality of, oh, we were born good. No, we weren't. We were born selfish and rebellious against God. And we need a Savior. That's, that's the biggest need of our lives. We need a Savior. And this has been the case all through history. And, and so when you come to Christ, though, when you, you are united with, to Christ, you have a union with Christ, and, and, and this union is a living union. And our faith is alive. Jesus is alive. And, and that's why I loved singing that song about how his, his, body, his buried body began to breathe. He's alive today, and his spirit is at work. And, and this is why every time we come to church, we come with an attitude of expectation of God, you are speaking and you are moving and we need to listen to you because this union with the Lord is living. This union with the Lord, it's loving too. And it's amazing to me that my rebellious state, me and my, my tendency to go my own way and to, and to rebel against God and to forsake him, that, that God demonstrates his love for me in this, that even though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. I mean, I can't believe that. This union with Christ, I have learned that it's a loving union of God restoring me and loving me. And it's amazing. It, it's also a lasting union. This union with Christ will last even the day that we draw our last breath. You know, because um, there are times that I'm called to sit with people when it's like, okay, we got to face eternity here. We, we got to face, when, when the doctors have no, nothing else to do, guess who comes in? Preachers. And, and, the, and the right ones who stand on the word of God will come in and go, look, we have nothing to fear here. Because the union with Christ is a lasting union. And I don't want us to forget that. When we are in that seat, when I'm in that seat facing my own eternity, that the union that I have with Christ is lasting. This is important. Now, here's the gospel message. It's simply this. The gospel message, the, the moment that you should point back to is the moment that you recognize, God, you are holy. You are holy. 
And you are the king of all kings. You are the God of all creation. You in your holiness, you've, you've shown us who you are. And one of the things that when we see who God is, we recognize this reality that my sin is a problem. My sin is a real problem. That I can't remain in my sin, that I need to repent of my sin. And I'm moved in the face of a holy God to repent of my sin. And then, then you see Jesus and what he did. And you realize, Jesus, you provided the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice on the cross. You went to the cross for me. You did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And that's the beauty of the gospel that Jesus, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And you know what happens after, you know, Jesus said, as he rose from the dead, appeared to all these people and he conquered the grave. And, and then he said, my Holy Spirit is gonna be given to you. And it's the Holy Spirit who calls us to respond to his voice. And see, it's my prayer that every one of you can look back to a moment where you can say, I responded to the Holy Spirit. I was saved. You don't gradually step into this. First Peter, the, the, Peter understood salvation. He, and, and he beautifully depicted it in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, he, he talks about those that, are, that have come to Christ, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You know, we just sang that song earlier about we're a child of God. We are a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belongs to God. For what? That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And then Peter says, beautifully, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And it's my prayer that every one of us can look back and point to a moment that you said, there was a time in my life that I received mercy, that God, spoke, God called me. Has that happened to you? Which one of these people are you? Are you, I mean, I mean are you Judas? Where you've, you've heard about God, you've been around it, but you've not trusted him. Are you the disciples who are already clean? Can you put back, can you look back to a moment and say, that was the moment I was clean? Do you know that today, if you came to Jesus, he would wash your sins away and you would be clean? You'd be forgiven? And I pray that's the case for you. Verse two, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, he says because of the word I've spoken, and spoken to you. So the disciples, they're, they're clean. Judas rejected this, verse two, or point two is this. Point two is this. Do you know that every authentic faith is compelled to stay connected to the Lord? That if you have an authentic faith, I, you are compelled to stay connected to the Lord. And, and it's, it's natural. It's the most natural thing to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and you know, it's interesting as you look at the imagery of, in Scripture, because in the imagery, the, 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 the Bible points to the, the body and its members. It's natural for me to have all my fingers, right? Uh, it's, I'm glad I have them, you know? Um, and, and it's natural for me to have them. 
And it's unnatural for me not to have them, for them to be disconnected from my body. If, if they were disconnected from my body, you'd say something happened to that guy. Something happened to his fingers. And there's an imagery of the body and its members. There's an imagery in scripture of, of the bride and the bridegroom. My wife was gone for the last two weeks. My house has evidence of that, that my wife was gone for the last two weeks. And I was like, we were scrambling yesterday doing laundry and cleaning the kitchen. We're like, okay, this was bachelor paddish uh, the last couple of weeks. See, this imagery of the bride and the bridegroom, there's supposed to be a connection there. There's imagery of the shepherd and the sheep in scripture. The, the, the sheep need the shepherd. And then this imagery of the vine and the branches, the branches need to stay in the vine. And that's why he says, verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying, look, we need to stay connected to the Lord because it's natural for us to do that. It's natural for a branch to stay connected. And this word abide is so very important in this passage. You know, it's, an, it's an important concept. You know that in this passage, John uses it 11 times. And so this is a big word. He says, I'm the vine. Verse five, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we can tell we're abiding in the Lord. How? By, by the production of fruit. There's fruit in our life if we're abiding in the Lord, isn't there? It's natural. It makes sense. Now, Galatians 5 points to this, that, that, and it gives us a picture of the fruit that is produced when you abide in the Lord. And, and, and Paul in Galatians 5, flip over there. Let's do a Bible drill this morning. Galatians chapter 5, uh, look at verse 19, because it's this interesting comparison of, of when you don't abide or when, when, when the fruit, you're not connected to the vine. And if you are connected to the vine, this is the comparison. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Verse 19, Galatians 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because that's the natural heart of those that are not connected to the vine. But verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, those that are connected to the vine, this is what the, the Spirit is doing in you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the fruit of the Spirit is producing things in us. Now, when I think about it practically, what does it look like? When you abide in Christ, we abide when we're part of the harvest. I love what we're going to do today. Today, after this service, we're going to go out on the lawn and we're going to have a baptism service. And it's part of the harvest. And we've seen some harvest in the last four weeks in the life of our church and, and even in the past. And there's going to be 17 people being baptized saying, look, Jesus is my Savior. That's awesome. You know, what, you know what I wonder? Just like the last service? There, were, there, was, there was one in the last service. I think there were probably more. But there was definitely one that said, look, I need to be baptized. 
today. Do you know that we're ready for you? If you've not been baptized, if you've not followed the Lord in that obedience, do you know that we're ready for you today? We have shorts. We have shirts that you can keep, uh, shorts that'll fit. Um, we, you know, it doesn't matter if your hair's wet because you can go home right afterwards. It's done. We don't have, you don't have to look at anybody after that. And you could be baptized today. And some of you need to. Some of you have been making excuse after excuse about I've not followed the Lord in baptism. Maybe your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation. Like last week I preached at our Calvary campus and there was a lady that came up to me and said, you know what, when I was 15, I went to this foster care place and, and this home and they said, if you're gonna live here, you have to be baptized. So she got baptized. But she goes, at 22, my life hit the bottom and that's when I was saved. And I said, have you been baptized since you've been saved? No, I haven't. Baptism is something that takes place after salvation. You could do that today. You know, when you, you abide in Christ when you're part of the harvest, you're sharing the gospel. This is why we have a gospel challenge at our church. We abide in Christ when we avoid sin. And we're moved to say, look, I gotta get sin out of my life. Now, we abide in Christ when we obey God's voice. And this is why I pray, and I need to say this more often. I, I got to get back in the, in the habit of this. That, but it's my a prayer that I'm con- trying to continually pray for our church and for my own life is, Lord, we will move every time you move us. And I pray that we are a people, that we are a congregation that moves every time God moves us. And, and we, we are un, uh, unwavering in our desire to follow the Lord and be in step with the Lord. That's what it means. When you, when you, when you abide in Christ, you, you obey his voice. Look at verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and be burned. Now, now we need to understand this verse. Some people look at this verse and say, oh, well, you can lose your salvation. But I don't think that's what it's talking about. Because because you got to know who he's talking to. He's talking to the disciples. It's them in the upper room. These are already believers. You know what he's talking about is the pruning process. Um, you know, you can tell you're abiding in Christ if there's pruning going on. Now, I don't know what my crepe myrtle bushes felt when I pruned them, but they look better now after I cut them. And there are times God prunes me. And sometimes it doesn't feel very good. I feel the pruning. And he prunes me. And, he, and, and this is, you can tell you're abiding when the pruning process takes place and, or when God disciplines you. Do you know as a believer, God will discipline you? Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And the Lord disciplines us. And I think what he's talking about here is the pruning process of how God is growing us. And, and, and though that doesn't feel good, though, it does, though accountability doesn't feel good, though conviction doesn't feel good, I pray that when conviction comes, we lean into that. When accountability comes, we lean into that. And we've got to learn that as a believer, that conviction is a blessing in our life. And the, and the worst thing the Father would do for us is to not prune us and not discipline us. So I pray we can learn to receive the discipline of the Lord. And, and, and this is why when we're convicted from God's word, we should receive it and respond to it. And this is what I think Jesus is saying. Verse seven, abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now think about that. 
I, I wanted to get out and throw a rock at this church sign the other day. I would have been inappropriate. And I probably got arrested, so I didn't do it. I refrained from that. But, but I was driving in Tulsa, and this sign came up. It said, come and find out how 90% of your prayers can be answered. And I thought, man, what a hooey. That's a bunch of junk, man. That health, wealth, and prosperity stuff, what, that's messed up. Because honestly, when you abide in Christ, all your prayers are answered. Now, your prayers change. You don't pray for that Corvette or you don't pray for that stuff that doesn't. When you're abiding in Christ, you tend to find yourself praying for the right things. Like, Lord, give me endurance. Give me patience. You ever prayed for patience? You probably should. And get ready for the joy of patience happening in your life. But here's the point. A disciple of Jesus follows him. A follower, a follower of Jesus follows him. A disciple of Jesus lives under his control. That's what he does. He lives under, we're, we're without apology under the control of God. And we're, we're joyfully about this. We're under his control. A disciple of Jesus is compelled to stay connected to him. We are compelled to stay connected to the vine. And this is what this passage is pointing us to. Point number three is this, as we kind of come in for a landing here, every authentic faith naturally moves to obedience. That if you have an authentic faith in God, if you can point back to a moment where you are connected to the vine, it's gonna move you to obedience. That's what it does. Note the progression here. Um, you know, verse two, there's no fruit. And then every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Then, then it goes from, so it goes from no fruit to fruit to more fruit. Then verse eight, five and eight, it's much fruit. So God sees what we're doing. He's, he's producing in us this growth and this journey with him. In verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus' walk showed us how to stay connected to the Lord. These things, verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that, you're, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, you can tell you're abiding in Christ because the experience of joy equals abiding. You'll have joy. And this is why I pray that if you don't know Christ today, that, that, that God is moving in your life, I think right now. I think God has brought you here for, for you to be able to point back to this moment as the moment that he saved you. Because you need him. I mean, I think about Jesus' reach to, to Judas as he dipped the, the, the bread into the wine and he reached out to him. And we know what the gospels say, that, that, that right after Judas looked at that, Satan entered into him. Jesus saw it. And he said, whatever you do, do it quickly. And Judas left. And then G Jesus picked back up with his disciples and taught them about abiding in him, staying in him. You know what obedient abiding, obedient abiding looks like? It looks like this, that, that there's a growing relationship with Christ. 
And, and you know, it's this prayer is growing and, and you're listening and you're talking to God and you're learning to move when God moves you. Do you have a growing relationship with Christ? If you're abiding, obedient abiding, abiding looks like this, this biblical base. That you have a foundation of, of God's word. And, and the Bible is, is what you're standing on. The word of God is, is shaping you and, and is, is guiding you. And, and, and it's shaping your conscience. It's changing your mind. It's, it's, it's changing your opinions. This is what the word of God does. It, a, a, obedient abiding is, is committed to community. That we are, we are in community together. We're in life together that we are, we are holding one another accountable. We don't, we don't push aside accountability. We, we, we need one another to make it through this journey. This is why groups are so important in the life of our church. And it's not just about coming to this room. It's about being in life together and knowing one another. Church is a place that you're to be known and you're to know others. It's not a place where to be distant from one another. We are family we are not a business here. We are a family. And we must never forget that. And obedient abiding produces these ambassadors for Christ. These representatives of Christ to the world. And that's why we're a people that share the gospel that point the world to Jesus. And that's why I want to ask you, which one of these are you? Are you connected to the vine? Or are you looking at those who are connected to the vine. You know, do you have right now a present trust in Christ alone for your salvation? I mean, right now, do you, is there evidence of the Holy Spirit's regenerating work in your heart, in your life? Do you have this pattern of growth in your life? This, this pattern of, man, God is not letting you stay where you are. He's convicting you. He's moving you. If you can't point to that, come to Jesus today. Today. You know, um, if, if your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation, you gotta realize that baptism is believer's baptism. Baptism is this, this mark of telling the world that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. It's like my wedding ring. I can take my wedding ring off and I'm still married. But my wife likes it that I wear, I wear this. I mean, no one's ever hit on me except her at the grocery store. But, but you know what? Baptism is this beautiful statement that I belong to Jesus and I'm not ashamed about it. Stop making excuses. Today's a great day to be baptized. And here's how you could do it. After the service, you could just go right to the Fellowship Center, Fellowship Hall. It's right through those doors. And you could say, all right, I need to be baptized today. You could do it today. We're in a swimming pool. It's a perfect day. 
I'm going to ask you to bow your head where you are. And as, as Eden comes up, we're going to start our invitation. And if I, if I can, I'd love to be the only one looking around right now. And so, if, if you're here today, and you're, you're not able to look back at a moment where you know that you are saved, Before I ask you to do what I'm asking you to do, I wanted to make you a promise. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try to manipulate you to come down front. I do want to pray for you, though. I mean, I'd love for you to come down front and talk to one of our staff members. But right now, I want to pray for you. If you would say, I can't look back at a moment where I've trusted Christ, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Is there anybody that would say that? Thank you. Okay, you can put it back down. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would say, I'm not sure? Is there anybody else that would say that? I'm just not sure I can point to that moment. I saw one. Is there anybody else? Okay, thanks for doing that. Is there anybody else? Not sure. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anybody else? Just put your hand up and right back down. Just make sure I see it. Okay, thanks. I see it. Thanks. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to single you out. I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody else that would say that? Not sure. You know... This, this is a moment that God is, I believe, speaking to you. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit bringing you to this place in this moment for a reason. And if you come to Jesus, he won't turn you away. And you could leave today knowing that this was the day that he, that he saved me. And, and so... You could come down and talk to us in our invitation, and we'll help you. If, you are, if you'd prefer to go to the fellowship hall right after this, I hope you will, because whoever came with you would be thrilled to wait for you for this moment. And so I, I just want you to know we're, we're here to, God put us in your life. And God has given us his word so that we can know that we have eternal life. So we're going to have an invitation. I know it's a little warm in here. That's okay. Let's just not miss the moment today.